everyone, welcome to uh, Inbound After Hours. Today we have uh, Matt Barbie from HubSpot. He's Hello. a SEO specialist, so Ricky has been looking really forward yeah, to this because that, that's your field. So, uh, Matt, thank you very much for, uh, oh, for joining my us. My pleasure. Yeah. Okay, so you're an Englishman. Where, whereabouts in England? Well, spent the past probably five years prior to a couple of years ago in Birmingham, but uh, I'm a Midlander. Uh, originally, yeah. yeah. So no, no one in the states understands. What I'm <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, to no, say no. the distance from London. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's <laughs> London or Manchester. That's I say the football team. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. So, yeah. so that's cool. Most well, most of our listeners are from the UK yeah. anyway. So that's good. It's good to know. And uh, how did you end up at Hotspot then? Bit, bit of history. What's your story? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of a funny story actually. Um, I was. Previously working at a marketing agency yep. in the UK, uh, heading up digital for, for all of our clients there. And I just got an email out of the blue one day from our then VP of content. Uh, and Brian, our CEO, had read an article on my blog. Don't really know how we stumble across it. And I think he must have said to Joe at the time, we should go like chat to this guy. Joe originally, tried to call me and I was actually at the time getting a lot of phone calls from HubSpot trying to sell me HubSpot <laughs> and uh, I remember actually hanging up the phone initially because yeah. I was like it's oh, just HubSpot cool. trying to call me yeah. and sell me stuff uh, but then uh, he dropped me an email we chatted said we should come over and ended awesome. up taking the job over originally in our Dublin office yeah. and then about nine months ago now came over to the Cambridge office here in Boston which yeah, it's been another adventure. My wife obviously really loves just being uprooted. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you inbounded them. You wrote a blog. You got them sucked it's, in. It's pretty much the inbound story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd love to say that I meant for it to play yeah. out like that. that but, uh, no, yeah, it was. It's it's it is kind of a nice story for me in the sense yeah. that it does really tie into all of that. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. So you're headhunted by Brian. How good is that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah. a good thing to point you see. So what what's your exact role here? What do you do day to day? What do you get involved in? So I head up user acquisition uh, to our sales products. Okay. So pretty much my job is to get free users into our CRM and HubSpot sales free yeah. um, through pretty much any channel. So I have. SEO team that rolls into myself, um, just about to have now an affiliate team. Um, we've got some kind of like brand focused team and then we have like integrations mm -hmm. and uh, BD like partnerships yeah. that we also have that kind of like spans across into my team as well. So you brought in to do specifically that when you were launching CRM? Originally, um, actually I was focused more broadly, to be honest, when I first came in it was more uh, to solve SEO. I actually remember when I was first having the conversation with the HubSpot and um, it's like, okay, Matt, we wanted to come in and like, look after SEO and this is kind of like globally across pretty much all of our products at the time, kind of more on the marketing side. I remember saying, okay, cool. So how big's the SEO team? And they're like, we don't have an SEO team. And I was <laughs> like, wait, what? Because <laughs> uh, for the size of HubSpot, yeah, like yeah. I uh, was imagined, but the, the growth of this company has came from the content team. Yeah. Uh, that, that team is an incredible team and still does really amazing stuff. So, yeah. uh, and since kind of when I came in, we, we started to be a bit more uh, deliberate about our SEO, yeah. I would say at least. And then I started moving over to the, the sales product side of the business where yeah. we're really focused a lot of our attention on right now. Um, seeing great growth obvious problems and challenges that we're facing along the way but yeah now that's kind of spanned outside of just uh, organic search as well but we've got 
an awesome uh, SEO team here at the moment as what, well. What size is that now? So we have directly within the SEO team, there's three people and yeah. then myself. Yeah. Um, I'm not technically in the SEO team anymore, okay. but they're kind of like roll into my team. Um, and then we have the, the content team, which I almost banned as part of that. Oh, and yeah. that is... I'm not actually sure on the exact numbers, maybe 15 yeah, or so yeah, people. Exactly. And then we every then we have our regional teams as well. So yeah. we have the Duck team, uh, the LATAM team, and then everyone coordinates uh, into the SEO team as well. So Definitely. yeah, there's a, uh, a lot of work that the SEO team have. <laughs> when you first came in and you just looked at HubSpot as a, as a site to start an SEO project, I can't even imagine that. I don't know how many URLs that was the day one. You just click like, <laughs> where on earth do I start here? What? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was, um, that was kind of like the question I was asking for a good two months is where yeah. do I start, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, the site is huge and we were publishing, when I came around 300, 350 blog posts every month. Yeah, and that's, that's more than most companies do in like forever. Like two years, <laughs> yeah. yeah, forever, right? Yeah. And uh, so that was one of the initial challenges was just like prioritizing. I think that's where like when you get to the enterprise level of SEO is so key to have prioritization and experimentation frameworks that you can use to yeah. make sure you're only focusing on the right things. We had a lot of like tech debt that yeah. we'd accrued over the years, that we had to do a lot of unsexy stuff that yeah. like uh, got us some huge wins. I remember fixing the pagination on our blog, probably yeah. the least sexiest thing we could do. Yeah, it's probably the single biggest win we had from an organic search point awesome. of view. I think we increased organic search by around about 50% to the, to the, the core site yeah. in a few hours yeah, and that means awesome. millions of visitors so yeah, it's a dream isn't it that's, yeah that's it's it's yeah. great and there are still a lot of those things that we have to overcome yeah. um a lot of those we're spanning with like with any big companies like product fixes and web fixes yeah, yeah. and trying to solve for the user and also for uh, organic search and a bunch of these different complexities and then add the international layer on top and it yeah. gets even more complicated but it's all fun challenges uh for sure have you found any difference uh, in the UK market to the US market in marketing terms of SEO? Have you seen any? Oh, definitely. Uh, I think the the way I would probably kind of separate these out, I think like people in the UK have a much uh, lower tolerance for bullshit is the best yeah. way I would uh, <laughs> say it. And this is actually something that we find a lot on like the sales persona versus the marketing persona. Yeah. I think like generally people in marketing have relatively high tolerance to bullshit yeah. and like we're like it's it's okay people actively want to learn and you're okay with reading through some very top of the funnel stuff Salespeople do not they no. do not have the time to <laughs> even like spend on a lot of this stuff and yeah. actually that was one of the big learning curves for us similar thing to an extent with um the the australian and uk markets versus north am yeah. um it's just people tend to consume content a little bit differently okay. um however very different to the likes of the german market which yeah. is very straight to the point uh, very informative like and the words are like 10 times as long uh, so it's like uh, having fun meta titles isn't it well it, actually there are some really interesting like ux problems that you come into with yeah, that even that. on product pages when yeah. it's like uh, i think inbound marketing was like we had to like reduce yeah, down the font size because yeah. it was just like ridiculous yeah. so 
Things, yeah. things you take for granted, don't you? Until, you, until you're exposed when you're working at a UK agency and then suddenly right. you're global. Absolutely, yeah. It's like the little things that you, you don't even really think about. No. Um, a lot of the problems that we face, to be honest, like and that I faced over the past couple of years, are the first time I've ever had to face those specific problems, yeah. or the first time the company's ever had to face them. So it it makes it really interesting from that side, but constantly keeps you trying to hunt out those problems as opposed to them hunting you out in a way. <laughs> well, so where's where's SEO at? So you're you're our our persona is the the, the the marketing manager at an in-house company. That's most sort of people who would watch this. If you're if you're that person, where's SEO at today? I I talk a lot about there's a lot of hype in SEO. It's easy to focus on what's coming next and uh, getting distracted from what tactics are actually working today. In yeah. your opinion, where where is that? What is what works today from SEO? And that's an extremely broad. No, question. no, I, no. I think it's, it's it's actually an important question because it's, it's probably the number one thing people ask me is like mad like what what is seo today and this often stems back to take this back a little bit it's like people another thing that gets banded around a lot is like seo changes so much seo is changing on like a daily basis (laughs) and i don't know how to stay up to date with it right the 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 reality is though if you kind of like really look at how the search engines have evolved the search engines haven't changed a whole lot in even like the past 10 years compared to what we perceive it, the the things that have changed the most have been the people searching in the search engines, right? You think like last year, 20% of all searches on Google's mobile device uh, searches were all done by voice. It's a huge amount. The way that you speak versus the way you type is completely different. Completely changes the way you, you have to think about appearing for some of those search queries. Keyword rankings are becoming almost like irrelevant to a certain extent now because it's so hard to even try and track in one place or another. So then the thing that I try to push more than anything is not necessarily to focus on having like a bag of tactics. Like having that like bag of tactics is really useful, but tactics expire really, really quickly. (laughs) And usually it's not because like the search engines have changed that much. It's because like us as marketers go and overdo it and ruin it for everyone, right? Like this well, is- We said that in the last two, uh, the last two episodes. Podcasts, we yeah. ruin everything, yeah. don't we? Yeah, yeah. and that, that is it. Yeah. And the, the thing that I would always push for anyone involved in organic search in particular, but also I'd say any marketing channel is to focus on finding problems. Like finding problems is way more valuable than having a tactic because there are always problems to find. And if you can develop a really good skill set for understanding when a problem may occur, whether it's going to be now or in two years time, that is much more valuable for, for me at least than just being able to say, hey, okay, here's this little hack that's going to get us maybe a, a really awesome win right now. It's like, okay, what are you going to do after that? Yeah. Right. And it's a means to an end. Yeah. Well, that, that's good. What? What are you guys focusing on then? What What's the future? I mean, when we when we were traveling, we were on the plane. It's like, what we're going to make these podcasts about? So we think it's about the future, future marketing. Mm-hmm. People what, prepared, what, yeah. yeah. What What are you guys doing now to tackle this? Yeah, uh, for for me, one of the things that is driving us on on acquisition as a whole is that is the idea that largely reigns true, and I firmly believe this. Every single acquisition channel that you ever operate in suffers fatigue at some point, yeah. right? This can be like in the sense of organic search, you can be amazing at SEO, rank number one for every single keyword yeah. that you're going after, right? Everywhere. 
But there's one thing that you can't really do is make someone search more, yeah. right? So like when you're hitting a certain amount of volume, like you've captured it all, you, you probably can't grow that much more yeah. or such demand goes down and then you suffer fatigue from it. Yeah. It's out of your hand. The same with paid CPCs goes up, yeah. costs you more on the, uh, uh, and you're getting less of a return. So for us, what we're trying to do right now is become early adopters in as many new channels that are opening yeah. up. Definitely. Chatbots is something that I'm personally really enthusiastic yeah, about. Yeah, we're going heavy on that at HubSpot yeah. and just trying to get into channels where the, the acquisition costs are really low, yeah. the competition is really low, and the risk is really high. Yeah. We're building an Alexa skill, we're building Slack bots. We're, yeah. we're trying to go and dive into existing pools of users and be there before it gets too saturated. And basically creating uh, an acquisition channel uh, strategy that's full of tons of channels, yeah. as close, as far away from the point of suffering fatigue as possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you've got to be prepared with that sort of strategy, I guess, that you're going to lose some, some are going, you've got to put some time and money and effort into it. And then they're not going to turn into anything big, but one in three or one in four of those channels is going to explode and make all the One difference. in four would be a wonderful yeah, no, yeah. Uh, I, I would say probably about 80% of the things that my team as a whole probably attempts fails. Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. like, I would definitely see that as a good thing. Definitely. It, if we're doing things that continuously work, we're probably being too safe. Yeah. Um, and there's always something to learn from something that hasn't worked that can be applied somewhere else. And timing is another critical piece into this. If it doesn't work right now, it could potentially work a little later. There are a lot of different factors at play yeah. um, that, that could be a reason for this. I mean, Microsoft launched the first ever tablet PC in 2001, right? Yeah. But like, who used that? <laughs> right? So I think, we're just testing around a lot of the different areas and channels that may potentially yeah. send us down a path to something something new. That right surprised now. me. That's that eighty percent failure yeah, yeah, rate yeah. to get to get the twenty percent work rate. I didn't so think it'd be so high. First surprise, market you. wins are so big. Yeah, yeah. That would definitely. Yeah, I think it's just the the nature of what we're we're trying to do now. We we have a lot of channels that we've performed so well in for such a long time and now we're starting to feel the yeah. fatigue in some of those. Organic search is actually a perfect example of yeah. that. Um, we have huge visibility. I, I'd argue we're probably one of the largest, if not the largest B2B website in terms of raw traffic numbers in the world. Yeah, and it's hard to scale bigger than that. <laughs> yeah. um, so we're, we're trying to make some like efficiencies and gains further down the funnel, but yeah. like we still need to grow the top of it. and. Doing that needs to go outside of traditional things that we've relied on for such a long time, which means having back-to-back -back failures. Yeah. Um, but we have some really great wins in amongst it, and we probably we learn way, way more from the failures than we yeah. do from the wins. I'd like to have a chat about um, voice in search, because you mentioned it. Sure. I did a talk about the future of SEO at the end of every year. You do at your local sort of events, and, and voice was one of them. Uh, and this may be one of the differences between the UK and, and the US market, but I said, any, put your hand up if you've tried voice search, and it's every most people put your hand up if you use it regularly. And I don't think I think there's 50 marketers, and I don't think that there's one guy. I think and, um, I can't remember how he's using it. So I and I, and I got and I was talking. I've still yet to see anyone use it in real life and stuff mm. and then we hired an american girl in our team yeah. and she's walking in the office chatting chatting to siri i'm like whoa this is blowing my mind and 
the point I was making, not that voice search isn't happening and it's going to happen because it is, but I don't think the market's there yet in the UK anyway. You mm. may, may disagree with that. Um, what, what do you think on that? Is it, is it big now and are people doing it or is it younger generations that I'm just not as visible yeah. to? I, 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 was, I was equally optimistic, um, pessimistic around yeah. voice in yeah. general for quite a while. I recently read a stat, um, now this is survey data, that was relatively large sample, but it's still not completely representative. In the US, 40% of adults use um, search via voice at, at least once per day, Wow. Uh, which That's is huge. pretty huge. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you the thing that changed my mind around voice was when I got a, um, an Echo. Yeah, and we did the same. I started using Alexa, ago, yeah. and I was like, yeah. "Okay, it's quite frustrating. Don't know whether it's just my British accent; it's getting confused <laughs> on. Yeah. But I have to continually repeat to it. But I did start to notice, wow, that there are some real convenience pieces yeah. within this. Adoption rates are becoming bigger and bigger. I think the key thing here is that natural language processing is getting better and better and better. Definitely. And the way, the things that you can do to interface mm -hmm. with, yeah. um, uh, like a voice layered uh, interface is so much greater. Yeah. And the fact that on the Amazon side, whereas like Alexa is technologically nowhere near as good as Google Home, yeah. mm. but it has the hookup to Amazon right convenience is the thing that's going to drive everything mm -hmm. here it's the reason why we use like uber and lyft it's the reason why you have like any on-demand service is yeah. used all the time like instacart to get your groceries delivered <laughs> you'll have there's pretty much an app for everything and now we've taken laziness to the new level where we can't even be asked to type <laughs> on our phones we now need to shout yeah. at a device yeah. right yeah. and convenience will win out um time, yeah. i remember when touch screens first hit smartphones mm -hmm. I remember the time thinking this is never going to take it's off, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You need the you need your BlackBerry keyboard, yeah. right? So many people are like, no, nah, the keyboard, it will happen. Yeah. Uh, and I think like when you look at the likes of, okay, Snapchat are one example of a company investing huge in augmented reality. Yeah. Um, the the sheer amount of people invested heavily into natural language processing it tells me yeah. this is an industry that's going to take a lot to die, and with the clear benefits to the end user. Yeah. And it's being embedded into people's homes yeah. at, in huge numbers yeah. uh, worldwide. Actually, a lot of people are using either Alexa or Google Home. I, I don't know the exact stats, yeah. but um, I, I think this is going to be pretty huge pretty quickly. When we got the Echo, I was saying to my wife, "Give it a go," and she said, "No, these voice recognition things are terrible." I said, "What are you saying that from?" And she said. Can you remember when we used to try and do the Odeon like 10 years ago? <laughs> years ago, I want to see a show in Newcastle. New, yeah. Newcastle. <laughs> I was like, no, it's, it's not like that anymore. It's, right. uh, it's come on a little bit. Oh, and yeah. she gave it a go. She's like, oh, recognise my voice. It yeah. knew what I was talking about. It, uh, and it really does like trigger really quickly like that learning. Yeah. Um, I... I've definitely seen huge improvements just personally in like voice. It's for me has stopped becoming a gimmick now. Yeah. And I think the fact that all of these different apps that we're using and then like the voice is just the layer to connect into connect, these things. Yeah. Like 
I I rarely I'll use Spotify all the time. Yeah, yeah. But most of the time I'll say Alexa, play this. Yeah, right. And and yeah, day, it's yeah. just yeah. like that's your now your interface. Yeah. But now what you're doing is you're connecting your Spotify data into Amazon, yeah. and that's like one n- new piece of information that Amazon have on you to connect to the rest yeah. of the database. And it's the systematic like mm. connecting of data points that's going to mm. basically get to the end point where they can be way more predictive about mm. everything that you're doing. So true. I mean, in the office, we use it every day. Don't we do, yeah. We it's have all our Spotify playlists. For everything the office, up. Yeah. yeah. The guys use it constantly. And timers, just little yeah. things like our the weather, yeah. anything. I use it the most in the morning and then at night. Like yeah. when I get in, just quick transactions. Yeah. It's all about convenience. Yeah, we picked up some AirPods in the airport yesterday. A little wireless. Oh yeah. Wire. You, you tap it twice, and Siri just kicks in straight away. Yeah. So even yeah, it's, it's clever stuff. Yeah. We, um, at that same talk, uh, when, we're, when we're talking about voice search, um, I, I was trying to back to inbound. I was saying it's great that if you're, if you're doing truly great inbound, you're actually, by accident, somewhat preparing yourself very well for voice search because mm-hmm. you should be answering a lot of question-based titles. You should be writing in a pretty natural tone and language anyway. So you're kind of accidentally preparing yourself great for, for voice search on the assumption that people will be getting on these and asking questions. Yeah, I think that a lot of people have been asking me of late, like, how do you optimize for voice search? And I see tons of articles out there, like, yeah. 10 ways to optimize for voice and all of this. I, the reality here is you can't really optimize for voice. It's, it's very difficult in general to optimize for the way people are changing in search. Um, What it's doing is just creating huge diversity in the types of queries that are coming in. It's extending the long tail of keywords and makes, in all honesty, keyword research really, really fucking tough. Yeah, I guess Um, the more unique phrases are going up and the the length of... Exactly, the length is uh, one of the biggest things that's changing is like query length. This is like one of the examples I often use is, can, can you imagine going back, let's say 10 years, right? And you typed into Google, uh, find me a restaurant to eat near me, yeah. right? Someone would look at, look at you and be like, you're an idiot. You should type restaurant Boston. Yeah. Now you're yeah. like, find me a restaurant that's in walking distance. Yeah. And you know, you're gonna get the results, right? And the key thing as well with voice is where you would previously have a list of 10 results, right, in the search yeah. engines, you're gonna probably get one now. Yeah. And it's shortening that so there's less real estate. The, the key thing that we're really pushing at HubSpot and what I would push for voice, but generally SEO from like today onwards is focus on owning topics, not yeah. keywords, and just mm-hmm. being able to like own whole spheres of a topic and just get broad ownership yeah. of, of, of a bunch of different phrases and core groups in that area and that's the best way to think about things gone are the days on the long tail of just going after one keyword Um, it can still apply really like for very specific queries like in our case right like free CRM software right that that people aren't yet asking for that in Alexa unfortunately (laughs) but when they do we'll be there (laughs) Uh, so there's 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 still an element of that but it's there's a huge shift obviously you guys have been investing in that in that side from a technology viewpoint and building out the the SEO topic modeling tool and stuff yeah do you tell the guys who don't know much about that what it is and how it's gone out with SEO a little bit yeah so 
the the content strategy tool uh, is actually something I've been working really closely on uh, with the the product team over the past uh, year and a half. Uh, it's been really great fun in doing. We we realized we had kind of like to up our game on the SEO sides on the product yeah. and our keywords tool is not really been much of a tool for a long time and uh, it's kind of just sat there for a little while and we said okay like we need to bring like our SEO product into the yeah. modern times and practice a lot of what we've been preaching yeah. um, so what we've started to do is move towards this idea of enabling our customers to build clusters of content and own topics yeah. and more importantly eventually measure the performance of content in these topic clusters mm. um, and in the background this is doing some really awesome stuff with creating internal linking and information architecture that's going to work really well for SEO but our customers aren't necessarily going to need to get into the weeds of all the technical parts so yeah. we're kind of like for, for us SEO is about focusing on the things that are going to add the most value to, to you as a business and not necessarily having to worry about every single tiny technical piece. Yeah. I think we obsess a bit over that on yeah. in SEO. It's like getting into weeds of every single thing. And there is there is a lot of situations. I'm a huge champion of technical SEO, but not everybody needs to know no. technical SEO. If you've got a six-page website, there are obviously things you need to make sure you're doing, but right. you're not going to be an expert. But you're not going to get huge wins with architecture changes no, on a six-page yeah. website. That's yeah. the key. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's, that's what we want to do is just help a lot of people make wins with things like architecture and build things correctly, mm. keep, do keyword research and help them own topics without necessarily having to do tons and tons of manual processes with like a million different spreadsheets, subscriptions to like a hundred different tools, right? It's like, yeah, you're going to use other tools other than HubSpot. Like I, I love uh, even other SEO tools like SEMrush, Ahrefs, we use them here, they're great. Yeah. Um, but what we want to do is have our product serves as the hub of everything that you're doing, and actually, you can use other tools to just add on top of that. How how important is still the the baseline of SEO? So I split SEO into two. It's kind of offsite, onsite, and then you've got your onsite. You've got your basic, your keyword research, your title tag, your content on your page, etc. Mm -hmm. The kind of I don't want to call it the older stuff, but the, the the basics of telling Google what this page is about. Right. As Google's getting smarter and figuring what the page is about on its own, where are we at in that? How important is it still to go and do the, the basics? Right, yeah. I think the this is, I was talking to someone about this uh, a few days ago, actually. Um, the thing to remember about Google right now is Google can understand what the content of a web page is all about way better than the human eye can. Yeah. It, is, it has an infinite level of like data coming into it that it can run through machine learning algorithms that can do a way better job in a millisecond <laughs> of determining what a page is about yeah. without like where the human eye would have to read something in detail, judge context, things like that. Like the, the idea that we understand language better than machines <laughs> is a, a fallacy. Yeah. And that's where then when you think about on-page SEO, for me... On-page SEO was incredibly, incredibly important. Is still important, right? But go back a few years was important because Google was stupid, right? Yeah. And you had to really babysit Google and <laughs> give it the information in such an obvious way yeah. for it to be able to break down and understand relevancy of content. You don't need to do it yeah. right now. Like the reality is you can rank for a keyword without ever having that keyword on a page. Now, 
if you can put that keyword on a page, that makes things a lot easier. Yeah. On-page SEO for me is like the bare minimum of what anyone should be doing. If you're not even doing that, yeah. like you're not only not doing SEO, <laughs> no. you're just not doing your job. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, like, exactly. So for me, it's like, okay, there are, there are a few things there that are just like, they are ticks in the box now. Yeah, but, exactly. And I think sometimes on-page SEO gets obsessed over a little too much yeah. with things like product pages. I see this a lot where people are like, okay, I need my keyword in my H1 tag. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't really work in terms of like, yeah. Yeah, like it doesn't really read that well. If people come onto this and they're gonna try and buy this yeah. thing, do they need this awkward thing there? It's like, but we need it for SEO. Yeah. Removing that is not necessarily gonna mean you're gonna suddenly yeah. dive into yeah. like page five. <laughs> no. um, so, but if you could make some conversion increases, yeah, you're probably gonna get more revenue. So mm -hmm. I think sometimes we take on-page on SEO in terms of like those minor yeah, details a bit too seriously. Keep, oh, well, done. <laughs> those old school sort of tactics. Right, yeah. exactly. I think it's just like, yeah, they're important, but the, the, the thing now is like no one single thing is no. gonna be the make or break. No. Like backlinks are still in most situations probably the biggest waiting factor to yeah. ranking. When you get to our kind of scale, like at HubSpot, links become way less of a important play for us because you just have so them. much <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah we're, we're a publicly floated company. We yeah. get links from everywhere or every quarter from like the biggest companies aside from the That's a good point. The, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. the guys who are watching then, uh, the marketing managers, uh, you said it's split into two. You've got your, your on-page and your outreach is what we're speaking yeah. about. How, how important is that still to the, to the smaller companies, the smaller? People who don't get given links. You don't get given links yeah, in your size. How, how important is that still? I think everything is re uh, relative, right? Yeah. So the someone that's really good at SEO is not, it doesn't necessarily need to be someone who can earn you links from the Wall Street Journal mm -hmm. or do some amazing technical SEO pieces. A really good SEO is someone who can analyze through the situation you're currently in yeah. and understand which lever is the most important to pull at this moment in time, yeah. right? If you're not a HubSpot and you're a brand new website, you could, and probably this is one of the things I see companies do wrong most frequently, brand new website with barely any authority, i.e. backlinks, yeah. and they'll be like, okay, we're gonna create two blog posts a week. Yeah. And we're gonna push that out and three months goes by they're not really ranking. So okay, what we're gonna do is we're gonna do four blog posts per week, right? Like, you can you can make a really bad meal, and someone can say, "Well, this tastes horrible," right? Yeah. Would you give them twice as much to try and make that taste any <laughs> better? Right? It's, it's probably gonna taste analogy, worse, yeah. right? So, like, there's no other situation where you do twice of the same underperforming thing to yeah. try and get like a positive from yeah. it, and. That happens so much, right? So like in those situations, like, okay, right. What we need to do is not necessarily increase what we're doing here. Let's take some of these resources and put them into a different problem that we perceive. And this all comes back to being a problem solver yeah. versus someone who is a bag of tactics, right? And that's then, in that case, incredibly important. A lot of the time, these two things are very interlinked, yeah. right? Like you need content a lot of the time to earn backlinks. Yeah. Um, and the kind of backlinks that you can earn at that level, you're not gonna go straight from zero to Wall Street Journal, no. right? There's yeah. a lot of the, okay, let's start out low level, 
blocks. Yeah. Start building that relationship. It's almost like this pyramid, right? Like, okay, now we've got to this bench level of authority. Yep. Start moving up, trade publications, get a little bit bigger, we're an entrepreneur, we're in England. You've got the credibility to go and ask for it. Exactly. Yeah. You've got like local press and yeah. national press, yeah. global press. Maybe you don't ever need, most people don't even need to get to the top yeah. of the pyramid, right? Like, yeah. this is all relative to what you're going after. And yeah, comes, yeah. I think that is the key of, especially like the link building slash PR portion is knowing where you need to be and where you can realistically be right now yeah. and then pushing resources into it. What are the metrics people should be focusing on in SEO? So SEO has always been a metric game. It's getting less and less a metric game. People used to track page rank and now obviously domain authority and right. page authority and keyword rankings. Which of these things should you still be bothered about, or just scrap it? And revenue. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Or do you just yeah. scrap it and go, go yeah. to the opposite end of the funnel? Yeah. I, I think <laughs> I, I, if only it was as easy as revenue. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, for, for most companies, like it's it's very difficult. Attribution is uh, still probably the number one problem most companies face. We face that a huge amount. Um, I think you've got elements of. Different metrics are useful at different parts of the business. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, if organic search isn't actually making a gain on the, the revenue side of the business, then you, you're probably not wanting to mm. sort of go after organic search yeah. too heavy. Sometimes SEO isn't the right play, right? Like on if we're getting into the weeds of like granularity, um, I, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the kind of like the made up metrics in the industry of like, domain authority, page authority, and all like that side of things. Like there are some link metrics that are kind of like, what I tend to find though, which is actually really unhelpful for a lot of people probably listening to this is like, I find over the years you develop an eye for, uh, especially when it comes to like understanding authority, going through backlink profiles yeah. very quickly and determining how powerful something is. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, there are a few things that you just need to remember with any metric, and I'm not shitting on domain authority and page authority and all these things. That they, they are very useful to a lot of people. The key thing to understand is these are not 100% accurate. And as long as you're okay with these are finger in the air, here's a general idea, yeah. right? Like even any metrics that uh, you can give, unless they are like, directly owned metrics, yeah. right? Like traffic to your site that's being pinged in your server logs, yeah, right? Like yeah. that's stuff that you know. Yeah. You can you can calculate like internal like page rank if you like or authority because you own that stuff. Yeah. And it's just relevant to your site. Anything that's locked behind the huge walls that we call <laughs> Google, yeah. uh, you're never gonna get the exact. So anything you do in there, just use it as a general guideline to steer you in the right direction yeah. and wherever you can have like really strong experimentation like frameworks and use a ton of different metrics to just like create a buffer yeah. that's going to help you understand realistically where you're going yeah that's good you're happy with that great, no, great answer yeah <laughs> superb Thank you so much, Matt. Appreciate that. No, it's been a pleasure. Take, take care and uh, hope to see you back in the UK sometime. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks, guys. Hope Thank you enjoyed you that. Take Cheers. care. Bye-bye, then.